0: All right, well, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get into the word. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have to hear from you. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your truth that makes us free. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we ask you for eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts that are open and receptive receptive to hear from you. We ask you that When we hear this word, Father God, that you make it clear to us, things that we have not seen before, make it clear to us, things that we have seen before, we ask that you even make it more clear to us and more real to us than it ever has been. And we purpose that as we hear your word, that we'll not just be hearers of it, but that we'll be doers of it in the name of Jesus. We ask for your anointing, Holy Spirit, upon me in the name of Jesus to get this word out. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Go with me to Psalm chapter 118, Psalm chapter 118, the book of Psalm chapter 118, or the book of Psalms, but the 118th Psalm chapter 118. Well, I was going to get rid of this mug. You guys like this coffee mug? I was going to get rid of it. I said, maybe I just need a water bottle up there because you don't really see people with mugs on the, um, you know, the podium or the table or whatever. But then somebody sent us a message and said they were watching the clip and they said, I like that mug or I want that mug. And I was like, well, maybe I need to keep it. <laughs> it's called brand branding. And what is that called? Well, you have yeah, brand placement. So <laughs> Uh, psalm chapter 118 it was funny it was just that day i was saying i don't know maybe i need to put a water bottle up there you know i don't i don't know if a mug is appropriate for preaching but hey it's different we can be different not for the purpose of being different just it's easier for me than opening up a bottle it's easier for me to just to grab this if i need a sip so that's why i prefer that (laughs) but uh, psalm 118 verse 8 it says it's better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in man it is better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in princes and are you finding out some areas that you've been probably putting more trust and confidence in someone else or something else other than the lord i know as uh, as you know we've been on this series and i look at this more i'm seeing some areas that i'm like "Mm, that's The Lord will pinpoint something that's, you know, more confidence and more faith, more trust in yourself or something else other than me, other than my word, other than what I'm able to do, other than what I will do. And sometimes it's not, you know, a lot of times it's not fun. It's like, oh, it can be upsetting. You can get upset with yourself. Like, why didn't I see that before? Why didn't I recognize that before? And i we, we don't want to be condemned though. We don't want to condemn ourselves. but you know what I mean? There's just things like, ah, oh, man, why didn't I see that? Well, we're always going to see that. We're always going to have those moments as we continue to walk with the Lord. You're going to look back five years from now and be like, man, I, I'm surprised, uh, you know, I was, you know, wanted to say, I can't believe I did that, but (laughs) you did it. You said it, you thought that way. And I thought that way. And, you know, I look back on things that I thought five years ago, things that I've said, and it's like, "Mm," shake my head because, you know, like, man, I could be further in some things if I just, you know, did the word of God, if I just saw this well, that's the Lord. He's a good father. He's patient. We don't need to be condemned. And we're always going to have that all throughout our life. You know, when you're 50, 60, 70, 80, you can still look back on some things and, you know, five years from then, six months from then, a week and be like, hmm, that that wasn't the Lord. I thought that that, but that wasn't God. And that's that's good. That means that we're growing, that we're endeavoring to grow and that we're hearing from the Lord. You know, you, we never want to get to a place where we are not growing and not recognizing areas in our life that we need to uh, to change, that we need to grow in. If we're doing that, then that's a sign that we're not endeavoring to grow. And the more you hear, the more you should grow. You know, the more that Um, And really, you don't really hear from God unless you are willing to hear from him, unless you want to hear. Now, if you don't want to hear and you don't want to grow, well, then you won't. And the Lord will not reveal more to you. That's why Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, what? Let him hear. Well, that includes with that, that you are not just hearing to hear, to take notes, to say amen, to say, wow, that was good, but you are hearing with the purpose of, I am going to do this. I'm going to put this into practice. Uh, You are thinking, actively thinking as you're hearing the word, you are thinking, okay, how am I going to do this tomorrow? How am I going to do this today? How am I going to do this next month? How am I going to implement what I've just heard from the word of God into my life? And when you hear that way, you'll hear more. That's what, that's what that's included in he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody has ears on the side of their head. But that doesn't mean that you are hearing with the purpose of doing. And when you hear with the purpose of doing, that you are saying, Lord, I'm going to do this. You will hear more and you'll hear more and you'll, you'll hear things that other people won't hear because they're not willing to hear it. They've shut their ears to hearing it. So thank God we are going to grow. We are going to hear more. We're going to learn more. We're going to see more. And we're going to grow faster. You grow faster when you're willing to hear. You grow faster when you're willing to do what the Bible says to do. When you're putting it into practice, you're going to grow faster. You're going to grow faster. You're going to go further than other people are. than other Because pe- they're just not willing to. But we're willing to, amen? Yeah. We're willing to go further and, go and grow and, and go further with the Lord. But we've been on this series uh, that we're calling More Faith in God, and I think we're, I believe we're finishing up the series today, But uh, and we've talked about a lot of things, so I think we're going to conclude with this, but go to John chapter 10, the Gospel of John chapter 10. Now, I'm not going to do a lot of review because we've covered a lot of different things, but you can go and hear the uh, rest of the messages online. I think last time we talked about uh, having faith in the call of God and less f- having more faith in the call of God than we do in our abilities, than we do in our own qualifications. And so that one is a good one to, to feed on again. But this week, we're going to get into something different. John chapter 10, starting in verse 10, a familiar verse that we know we've seen, heard, read a bunch of times. It says, the thief does not come to steal. Uh, I'm sorry. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is Jesus speaking. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now this is a contrast between the Lord and the devil, right? This is this is saying that the Lord is good, and the devil is what bad, bad. It's right. It's not. You know, even kids can understand that God is good by reading this one verse. God is good because He wants to give you life and abundant life, right? Yeah. And the devil's bad because what does he do? He steals, kills, and destroys. That's pretty simple. Children can understand that. God is good. Devil's bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, it seems so simple, but so many people confuse things all the time. And it, it should be easy to recognize when there's stealing, when there's killing, when there's destruction, that's not God's will. That's not from God. That is of the devil. He's the one that is coming to steal. He's the one that is coming to kill. He's the one that's causing destruction, not the Lord. The Lord is coming to give life. Is death and stealing, killing, is that life? Is that abundance? He said, I come to give you abundant life. In some translation, I think the Amplified says, uh, life to the full till it's overflowing. Our life is supposed to be overflowing with the life of Jesus, with the goodness of the Lord, right? And so if they're stealing and killing and destruction in our lives outside in the world, we know that's not from God. Right. That's not of him. That's not his will. And I'm not going to accept that that's from God, okay? Let's just, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to just solidify that, that we know. Psalm 34, eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good blessed is the man that trust in him well why would you want to trust him because he's good right we want to trust him because he's good i don't i don't get it that there's people that there's people that serve well they're deceived i get it i understand it but the devil's a thief he steals kills and destroys but you know that there are people who worship the devil who serve the devil who live for the devil I mean, there's satanic churches, satanic worshipers. Why would you want to worship somebody and trust someone when all you know they're going to do is steal from you, kill you, cause destruction in your life? He's the father of lies. Why would you be content? Why would you want to serve someone like that? But there are, there's people all over the world that serve Satan. There's a Satan church. And they're doing it this weekend, just like there's people gathering to serve the Lord. There's the church of Satan to worship him. I mean, it's sad. It's deception. He's a thief. He's not good. But we can trust in in the Lord because he's good. Um, Let me read another one here. It says in Psalm 86, 5, for thou, Lord, art good, ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. Aren't you glad the Lord is ready to forgive? Man, could you imagine if you had to beg him, you know, uh, a thousand days in a row before he forgave you? Man, where would we be? We'd be walking around condemned all the time. We'd be walking around with our head hanging low, feeling down, dragging, but he's ready to forgive. That doesn't mean that we're trying to do sins and we're trying to just see how many times the Lord can forgive us. You know, we don't wake up and see how many times the Lord will forgive me today. No, we we don't want to do that. That's not the point. But when you do make a a mistake, when you do mess up, He's right there ready to forgive. He's like, come on, come on. You know, I've already paid the price. Jesus has paid the price. I'm ready to forgive you. He's right there. He's plentiful in mercy, ready to forgive. Mm -hmm. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Now, is that, is that good? That's good stuff, right? Yeah. That's good. Who redeems your life from destruction? who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your re- your youth is renewed like the eagles. He is a good God. And what about this? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's not trying to see any badness or any wickedness, (laughs) any any darkness. No, he's believing to see the goodness of God. And I'm just wanting us to remind ourselves that God is good and the devil is bad. It's not confusing. It's not hard to figure out God is good and the devil's bad. But the question I want to answer today is, do we have more faith in God's goodness Than we do in the devil's oppression? Do we have more faith in God's goodness and his blessing and his healing power and his provision than we do in the devil's ability to steal, kill, and cause destruction in our lives? Do we? Do we have more faith in God's good news and God's good report than we do in the enemy's ability to hinder, to cause uh, distractions, to cause some darkness? Do we have more faith in the Lord than we do in the devil's darkness and his oppression? Now we're shaking our head, we're agreeing, but we really have to ask ourselves, do we, do we have more faith In the things the enemy is able to do or in the things that God is able to do? And what are we giving greater weight to? The things that God is able to do or the things that the the enemy is able to do? Now, we're agreeing with this, but we really need to look at the things that we are. And and it's good. We want to have our faith and our confessions aligned up with the word of God. But we live in a real world. Right. And we live and we don't live in church. We don't live in church. We don't just, you know, hear the word on Sundays and don't have to deal with the real world. We deal with the real world and we have real issues that we need to deal with. And we don't just want to say all the faith confessions, say all the, the right faith things, the right faith positive confessions, you know, did I say the right confession? Check. Did I think positive? Check. Am I saying the word of God? Check. No, it's not just about that. Faith is just not about principles. It's not about just doing principles and just making sure that you dotted every I and crossed every T. No, that's not what faith is about. Faith is about a fellowship and a relationship with the person, Jesus. It's faith in the person, Jesus, not faith in principles. We do do these things because the person said to do these things, but our faith is not in the principle. Our faith is in the person, Jesus. Amen. Our faith is in him. And we need to ask ourselves, what is greater, what the devil can do in our lives or what the Lord will do in our lives? And we need to really, we need to, do you guys see that we really need to answer that question? And that needs to be something that we're always keeping in front of us. Wait a minute. When you, I'm saying, wait a minute, as far as when something, you see something that you don't like, you get a report that you don't like, you need to ask yourself, wait a minute, is this greater than what the Lord can do? Is this bigger than what God will do in my life? Is this greater than what the Lord said he would do? We have to stop and we have to we have to change our thinking because the enemy wants us to look at what he's doing and not at what God's going to do or what God has done, okay? Um, where are you guys at in uh, Psalm? Uh, oh, oh, John, John, that's right. Okay, okay. Um, well, not, I am not ready to go to the next verse yet, but we always need to look at what we are magnifying. Okay? What we are magnifying. And you can identify where your faith is at at the moment by what you are magnifying. By what you are magnifying. You know what magnify means? Magnify means to make something bigger. Mm-hmm. To make something bigger. Are we making what the enemy's doing bigger or are we making what God has done and will do bigger. We have to ask ourselves these questions. What are we making bigger in our lives? And what you're magnifying is what you're looking at. You know, God and the devil are not equal opposites, okay? They're not equal opposites. It's, they're, they're not like, it's not like a superhero movie when the villain is so tough and big and strong that it takes 10 superheroes to defeat him. It's not like that with God. It's not like that at all with God. It's not even close. It's no, it's no match at all. And we're talking about, and I'm talking about the persons, but I'm also talking about what they can do as far as their works, as far as you know, what the enemy can do and what God can do. It's not close. And we have to renew our mind to this thinking because we do live in this world and we do see the 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 wickedness in this world, we see the evilness in this world. We see the the violence. We see the suffering. Right? We see the people that are starving. We see people that are, you know, just wicked and evil things that you don't even want to talk about. And it seems like, man, that is having a greater effect than God's goodness. It can seem like that, especially if you're on social media and you're watching the news. You can see these things a lot. And that's what it seems like. Man, the devil is having a greater impact than God's goodness is. His stealing and killing and destruction is having more of an impact than God's goodness. Well, that's not true. First of all, that's not true. I mean, that's what he broadcasts. That's what he's going to broadcast to the world that he's able to do all these things and you you know you turn on the news they they don't report anything good positive most of that stuff is all what all bad all bad they thrive off bad news they that's how they get viewerships bad news fear destruction man they they're excited if there's something bad happening they they don't act, they don't act, you know say it but they're happy about it but and that's the enemy's way. He wants to broadcast the bad news. That's why we need to watch uplifting things and things that encourage us and testimonies and and hear testimonies and, and see uh, life stories that were true stories that people were encouraged, people got healed, miracles happened. Why? Because that's what God is doing in the earth. He's still doing those things. And we can be so accustomed to hearing what the devil's doing that it seems bigger than what God's doing that if you were to, let's say you went to the doctor and they told you, you know, we found something, we found something unusual, we found a lump or something like that. Because you've been seeing all these things, you've heard people that have had um you know, situations like that and it turned out to be something not good, turned out to be terminal or you heard a news story, you heard about a friend, your mind could automatically, if you're not on guard and if you don't watch it, it could go to think, well, that could happen, that's going to happen to me. And what are you doing in that moment? You are magnifying the enemy's oppression over what God said he would do, over who God is. You are magnifying who the enemy is and what he's able to do over what God is able and will do. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. If we put more weight in that and we say, oh, no. And we get in fear and we have worry and we have anxiety and we think, oh, man, what's going to happen now? We are putting more weight in that. We are magnifying that and saying this is bigger than what the Lord can do. It may, we have to be honest, that's what's happening at that moment. If fear overtakes us and, and we get worried and we get concerned about it. Okay. But let me remind you that the devil's work is not greater than God's goodness. It says this in first John three, eight for this purpose the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, he was manifested that he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. This is not a struggle. There is no struggle between God and the devil. There's no struggle. He's no, they're not wrestling all night. And then Jesus finally comes up victorious, you know, with uh, barely a- able to walk barely able to talk. All his teeth are busted. All his eyes are bruised. That's not you know, like you see a good UFC fight or a boxing match and they're bloody and busted in both of them. It's not even like that with God and the devil. It's not like that. He came to destroy the works. Actually, Jesus said, I, if I cast out the devils with the finger of God, he said that in Luke, with the finger of God. <laughs> That's talking about the power of God with the Spirit of God. It's no match for the Lord. You see that in the Bible. The hand of God, the arm of the Lord. That is the power of God. God doesn't even have to put his whole weight into it. He just like Doop, and and he destroys the work of the devil. The Bible says in Acts 10, uh 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All that were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is oppression from the devil. Sickness, poverty, and lack, that is oppression from the devil. You know what oppression is? Oppression is that thing that tries to rule over you. Oppression is that thing that tries to be your master. And sickness, poverty, and lack, That's oppression when you're so sick and you can't get out of bed, you can't do the will of God, you can't be a help to the kingdom of God, you can't help other people, you can't even be there for your family because you're so sick that you're unable to do anything. That's not God's goodness, that's oppression, right? That's oppression from the devil. When you're so broke and you're so poor and you don't have enough money that you can't pay your bills, you can't be any help to the kingdom of God, you can't give the way you want to give, that is not good. That's oppression. That's oppression. I mean, it doesn't even have to be that serious and that extreme. When you are just not able to do some of the things that you want to do to help the kingdom, to further the kingdom, when you are just a uh, 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 sick to the point where you uh, don't have the ability to do certain things, where you don't have the confidence, where you are not physically able to do some of the things you want to do, that's oppression. That is the enemy trying to say, I am going to be your Lord. I, and, th- and that thing, that sickness, that oppression, that poverty is saying, I am going to master you. I am going to be the Lord over your life. That is oppression. Are you guys listening? That is oppression. That is not good. And the thing that we need to realize today is that the devil's oppression is no match for the Lord's goodness. His oppression, his stealing, his killing and destruction is no match for the Lord's goodness. Amen. It's no match for it. But what are we magnifying? We can identify what we're magnifying at the moment uh wh- wh- Where our faith is at, I should say we can identify where our faith is at, at the moment by what we're magnifying And what we're magnifying has to do with what we're looking at. Okay What we're looking at and I said what I already said, what do I mean by magnifying? What does that mean? We're making it bigger or making what the devil can do and now When you're in those situations It's we're saying this and you're agreeing, but I really need you to to hear this and so not hearing it just to say amen, but hearing it to see how I'm going to apply this to my life. Because it is easy to say amen to these things, but when you're in the middle of something, when you're in the middle where something is glaring and you're seeing it every day and you're wondering how is this going to work out, how is this going to turn out when the enemy's bringing those thoughts, what's happening? That is you making something bigger than what the Lord said. And we've all done this, Right. We've all done that where we've made something bigger that the devil's doing than what God said he was going to do. And we really need to watch that. We really need to be on guard for this. Um, Does what we look at have an effect on our lives? Does what we look at have an effect on our lives? Proverbs 4.20 says this. You don't have to turn to it. So let me ask you this first. What should we, the, the Bible says this, magnify the Lord with me. You guys ever heard that? Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. What should we be magnifying? What, what, why should we be, or let me say it this way. If we're magnifying the Lord, what are we magnifying the Lord instead of? If the Bible says magnify the Lord with me, what does that mean? What are we magnifying the Lord in st- why, uh, what, uh, instead of that, we're magnifying the Lord. Instead of what? The sickness, instead of the, the problem, instead of the challenge, instead of the difficulty, we are magnifying the Lord above those things, right? So when we hear magnify the Lord, immediately our attention should say, yeah, wait a minute, all these other things are small compared to my God. All these other things are insignificant compared to my God. All these things are puny compared to my good God and his goodness. And we need to magnify that over these other things, over the challenge, over the giant, over the mountain, over the sickness and over the disease. But what we think on and what we look at does have an effect on our lives. Proverbs 420 says this. My son, give attention to my words incline your ear to my saying do not let them depart from your eyes that's what you're looking at what are you looking at up here what are you guys looking at his words right Mm -hmm. keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and what health to all their flesh their health what is his what is health his words when you look at his words. When your eyes are on his words, does it cause health or does it cause destruction? It causes health. It don't cause sickness. His words are good news. His word is the gospel. That is the word of God. It causes health. It says this in the NIV, that 22nd verse, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So your whole, is it true that the word of God can cause health to your whole body? If we knew that and we really believe that, and we do know that, but we would we would be in this a little bit more, right? If we knew, man, if I just get in this word and I put, and I fix my eyes on it, and it's not, when we say fix our eyes on it, we're not just talking about looking at the letters. We're not just looking at letters saying, Jesus said, we're talking about you are looking at it. You are seeing what you are reading, okay? You are, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, you are seeing your shepherd providing for you. You are seeing your shepherd take care of you. You are seeing him leading you beside green pastures. You are seeing goodness and mercy following you. You are not seeing the words, you are seeing what the words mean, the pictures that it represents, and you are seeing that happening and you magnify that, that is what causes health to all our flesh. That is what causes, you know, a sad face to have a, a, a sad face to have a smile, a frown to go to, from uh, having a frown to go to joy and peace. When you look at that, when you magnify that, the NLT, the New Living Translation says, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Healing to their whole body. His words do that his words Proverbs 15:30 says the light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report makes the bones healthy Did you hear that a good report makes the bones what healthy healthy what does that mean bones healthy what does that mean think about that bone healthy bones how does that happen healthy bones healthy what vitamin D, I don't know, vitamin K, uh, you know, that's blood cells, red blood cells in the bone marrow. Um, you know, that's protein. What is, and that is causing your bones to be healthy, right? All that contributes to strong bones. When you, when you work out, exercise, lift weights, strong bones. And the Bible says a good report, causes the bones to be healthy. It makes the bones to be healthy. The, the uh, complete Jewish Bible says a cheerful glance brings joy to the heart and good news invigorates the bones. Good news, a good report invigorates the bones. So there is power in a good report to make your bones healthy. Well, if there's power in a good report to make your bones healthy, would it affect other parts of your body Would the good news the good report of the lord make other parts of your body healthy besides the bones what about your flesh what about you know the cells in your body what about uh, the tissues and the organs and your livers and your veins could the word of god the good report make those things healthy as well if we look at them if our eyes are on them and we're looking at those things yes The word of God, the good report, doesn't just make the bones healthy. It makes all the flesh healthy. Amen? Amen. So if this is true about a good report, that if we look at a good report that we'll find uh, health to all our flesh, that our bones will be healthy, and that it'll bring life to us, what about if we're looking at a bad report? Do you think if we look at a bad report that that could have any effect on us, on our bodies? on our minds, on us physically. Yes, go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Believe with me now, guys. Numbers chapter 13. Now, you know, we've heard this a lot of times, this story here but we don't want to just know it and miss something that we might not have seen. You know, you can read something a million times and see something that you've never seen before, okay? But in Numbers 13 here, this is uh, after the Lord delivered the, His covenant people, children of Israel, from Egyptian bondage, and now He's brought them to the border of the promised land. Okay. And this is, this is where we are. I'm saying, and he tells Moses to send out 12 spies representing the 12 tribes to send out the 12 spies to go and do a recognizance mission. You know, they're going to scope out the land, check out the agriculture, check where things are. They're going to go and check out this land. And when they came back, the 12 spies said you know yeah the land is good it's flowing with milk and honey and it's a good land and they brought back the fruit they said look at this grape look at these grapes wow this, this is a good land okay but out of those 12 spies 10 of them said what they said we're you know we're like grasshoppers in their eyes and so we were in their eyes as well and but you know, actually, that wasn't true. They, the, peep, the, the people in the, the land um, didn't see them as grasshoppers. Because if you read further, uh, when they went in, uh, in under Joshua's leadership, when Joshua took them in, that second generation, they said that they were scared of them. Rahab said that the people's heart melted with fear. They were scared of the children of Israel because of the things that they heard the Lord did for them. So it wasn't true that those people saw them, saw them as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, but the other people didn't. Okay. So they're already believing a bad report, but they said there's giants in the land, the son of Anak, you know, and we're not able to go in We're you know, the city is, uh, has fortified walls and, and these giants and the people are large and we're not able to go in. Okay. But Joshua and Caleb, They had a, uh, they, they were the only two out of those 12 that looked at something different. They saw something different. Go to Numbers 13, verse 30, verse 30. It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. See, that's faith. Faith, they saw the same thing as the other 10 people, as the other 10 spies, and said, like, no, we are able to overcome it. We're able. They saw the giants. They saw the walls, but they're like, no, we're able to overcome it. Now, uh, I should back up and say the Lord told them that this was their land, and it's a good land, and it was a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord already told them this is their land, Okay. And so verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They're stronger than we. Now, this is, this is an exact picture of what we're talking about. This is a classic illustration of faith and unbelief. And you see this, this story uh, referred to numerous times in the New Testament. In Hebrews and 1 Corinthians 10 and so forth, you see this is an illustration of faith and unbelief, faith and unbelief. Twelve of them saw they all 12 of them saw the exact same thing. And only two of them said we able to go up and possess it. We're able to overcome. Now, there are about 600 plus six. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but I know it's over 600000 soldiers. Uh, in this camp of Israel. 600,000 plus soldiers. And then there's women and children as well. So let's just say just probably you're looking at close to 2 million, a million and a half at least with women and children, people. And almost 2 million people, only two people say we can overcome. Only two people are saying we can do it. We're able to do it. The rest of the people, they didn't see the land at all. They didn't see it. And they're basing basing their decision on two reports. One report is a good report. One report says we are able. The land, it's good. It's flowing with milk and honey. And look at the fruit. Look at the agriculture here. Wow, look at the mountains. We're able to do it. Let's go in. They're bread for us. Piece of cake. We're able to take it. The other report says, "No, we're not able. There are giants in there. there's fortified walls in there, and the people look at us like we're little grasshoppers, and everybody in that camp based their decision on those two reports. And most of them, <laughs> millions of them, only, only two people in that first generation said we can do it. Two people. See, faith is rare. Not everybody has faith. Not everybody can see that God is bigger than the enemy and what he can do. People shout about it. People scream about it and say, God is bigger than any giant we can face. And God is able to do this. But right here, these people already seen God's goodness before. They've seen God do miracles before. They've seen God deliver them from Egypt before. But they still chose in this moment to say, the enemy is greater than our God. And they magnified that. And they looked at that. And there was depression and crying in the camp. And they all said, oh, it's over. It's over. It's over. What are we, we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and, and now look, was it true that the there were giants in the land and that there were fortified walls? It was true, right? It was true. And that is where the fight of faith comes in though. Because just because something is a fact and just because you see something and it's staring you in the face every day and it's right there and it's telling you, hey, I'm big. Hey, this is a problem. Hey, I'm strong. Just because that is a fact, that doesn't do away with God's good report. That doesn't do away with it. That doesn't mean that God's report is no longer true. This was true that there were giants there. Mm-hmm. It was true that there were fortified walls, but it wasn't true that God's report was not so. Right. They believed that. They believed, they believed it was the end. There's no hope for us. There's nothing that we can do. There's, we're done. This is the end. We, the Lord brought us out here just to die in the desert. None of that was true. He prepared the land for them. It was a good land, but what are they looking at? They're looking at no hope. They're looking at despair. They're looking at discouragement. They're looking at depression. They're looking at their lives ending in this wilderness. And you know, that's what they had. That first generation, that's exactly what they had. They had what they were looking at, what they were magnifying. And they called God's good report an evil report. It says they brought back an evil report. That evil report means, if you you look up that phrase in the Hebrew, that means slander and defamation. They defamed and slandered what God said was good. And that upset the Lord. It's not okay for us when God tells us something that he's going to do something. And we say, no, Lord, it's not true. It's not going to work. And we magnify and we put more faith in what the enemy can do or what the enemy is threatening to do over what God said he was going to do. And that is that is unbelief. That is not faith. Faith puts more stock in what God said than in what the enemy said he could do or threatens to do or looks like he's going to do. Now, this is, again, this is the spiritual battle that goes on in our mind. Go to 2 Corinthians, um, let's see, 2 Corinthians 3. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, real quick. This is the spiritual war. You know, you hear about spiritual warfare. The spiritual war is in the mind, is these thoughts. It says in verse three, second Corinthians 10, verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is the spiritual war, the battle of the mind. This determines who the devil will devour and who he won't. And if we lose the battle, it's because we chose to look at what the enemy is doing over what God said he was going to do. You see that? It's saying we're casting. we're What are we doing? We're supposed to cast down imaginations, cast down these thoughts that come against the knowledge of God. They come against his report. They come. See, the enemy is very good at getting uh, getting believers, getting us to try to believe the lie over what the Lord has said he was going to do. Think about uh, Joseph's father, Jacob. Remember when Joseph's brothers sold him and they dipped his coat in blood and made it look like an animal attacked him and that he was dead. And they said they brought it to his father and they said, is this Joseph's coat? And how did Jacob respond? He responded, oh, no, he's dead. This is him. My son is gone. And he spent the next decades of his life sad and depressed about it. But was it even true? No, it wasn't true at all. It wasn't true at all. He chose to believe a bad report over the report that the Lord had given him about, that the Lord had given uh, Abraham about his seed that he should have knew and his descendants and how big and great they would be. So he, and, and, and he also chose to believe that over the dream that Joseph said the Lord gave him, the dream that he had, yeah. Right. And so it wasn't true. And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants us to look at and magnify this. And this is the battle. This is the battle that is going on every day. And that we need to, sometimes thoughts can bombard you. The thoughts, the enemy's bad report, his stealing, his killing, his oppression, whatever he's trying to do, that can, can bombard you. He can, and he's trying to get you to magnify that over what God said. That's what it's going on. He's trying to get you to exalt that over what God said, over what the Lord said he was going to do. He's trying to get you to look at that and put more faith in that and put more faith in him than in what the Lord said. Because he knows if we do that, we won't win. And so that's where the fight of faith comes in, where we have to cast those thoughts down. Those thoughts come to say, no, you're not going to get healed. Those thoughts come to say, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. Those thoughts says, no, you're not going to get married before you're 50. <laughs> those thoughts, and that's not funny if that's the situation, but I'm just saying we need to cast those thoughts down to say those things when you know what the word of God already says about it, and you know what the Lord told you, told you already. You, you, you we got to cast those thoughts down. Anything that comes against the knowledge guy, you may have to do it. You may have to do it a hundred times or a thousand times in a day. There's time where, there's times where the enemy will try to wake you up in the middle of the night and say it's not going to work out. I don't know. It's not going to work out. It's you. You're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to get that job. You're not going to get that promotion. That it's not going to work. You. You have to take those thoughts and cast it down. Say, wait a minute. No, that is contrary to the word of God, devil. And the Bible says, "By His stripes I'm healed." The Bible says that He will provide all my needs according to His riches and glory. The Bible says, "I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness. I've been redeemed for the curse of lack." The Bible says his mercies are following me every day of my life his goodness and mercies are following me the bible says with long life so you have to start magnifying that over what the devil's doing and what the devil's trying to do what the devil's trying to pull off because that's there it's real it, 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 you could have gotten a, a bad report you could have got a, a bad report from the doctor or from the lawyer or from the expert whoever it is but that report doesn't have to be the final report. Right. No man's report. Now, we, we don't have any problems with doctors, okay? now The reason why I say that is because um, people that, that believe in healing and believe in divine healing, th- people think that we think that doctors are like the enemies. There's some people that think that or that we're against doctors or going to doctors. No, we're not against going to doctors. We're not against going to physicians. I mean, if if you broke your leg or something, we're going to tell you, "Go to a doctor. <laughs> get a brace, get a cast." You know, could God miraculously heal you? Yes. But it's not it's not based on what God can do. It's based on where your faith is at. And if you were somewhere in some remote country where there was no doctor, uh, around and you had to travel weeks and weeks by foot and donkey or whatever to get to the, could, could you have faith then to believe God to miraculously heal you? Yes. I believe the Lord would prompt you. Believe me. I'll, I'll, I'll fix that. I'll straighten that out. But, and, and, and well, that's another subject. I don't want to get into that, but, um, we are not against doctors. Doctors have helped people And, but, and and there's a lot of good doctors. There's a lot of Christian doctors who are doing good and, and they want to find things that help people. And I hope, and I want them to as well. I want them to find, you know, answers and and remedies for some of these sicknesses out there. So these cancers and stuff, I mean, every Christian should want that, but they're still a man though. And they don't, they're still human. They don't know everything. And if you go to a doctor and they, say, they tell you, hey, this looks like it's terminal, this looks like it's this or that, or you go to some financial expert and they tell you, hey, it's all hope is gone, you're going to lose everything. Or you go to a lawyer and say, nothing can be done, this is it's beyond repair. Or you go to a sci- whatever the expert, whoever you're going to, no man's word should be your final word. No man's word should be your final report or your final authority. You you hear something like that. It's not a good report. It's not something we wanted to hear. We go back and we ask the Lord about it. We say, Lord, what do you say about this? What does your word say about that? Because his word is a good report. His report says with all with with God, all things are possible and all things are possible to them that believe all things. And you know what? Miracles happen all the time. Miracles happen all the time. Where doctors, where experts, where so-called you know experts, were shocked, were amazed, like we've never seen anything like this before. We didn't. We don't know what happened. We can't explain it. Well, there's a lot of things man can't explain because of God, and so we don't just have to look at something and say that's it, it's over. But but you can see that though, and you can tell if you're doing that by how it affects you, by the impact that it has on you. By when you hear something, when you see something, where, what happens inside of you? Am I getting discouraged as soon as I hear a report? Now, that initially could happen, and it, it, and, and it has happened, but you don't have to stay there either, though. Just because initially you get a, a thought of fear and a thought of worry and a thought of anxiety, don't stay there. Get the good report back in front of you. Now I'm not saying to disregard anything the doctor said. If the doctor said, you know, hey, you should have this operation, we'll still ask the Lord about it and check where your your heart and your faith is at. Don't just go, um, you know, you you still went to them and and asked them for help. I'm not saying to be mean to them. You know, I've seen people do that. They they've said to they told me they told the doctor, I ain't receiving that. You well. OK, you can say that when you're alone and stuff, but you're asking them to just give you a diagnosis, you know, and sure. You could thank them and stuff like that. And, you know, hey, I'm not going to receive that report. I, I don't believe that report. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. OK, but uh, my point is, is that no man's word should be your final authority. What does God say about this? What does the Lord say about this? And I'm not going to magnify the devil's oppression over what God said. Even if it's something you have to do naturally, I'm still believing God through it. I'm still believing God through the whole procedure, through the whole whatever it is, because sometimes the Lord will instruct you to get a procedure done. The Lord will instruct you to do something. Amen. I mean, if you, if you fall on the ground, and you get a big splinter in your leg, and you get a big chunk of wood in there, do you think the Lord is just going to say, believe for it to disintegrate? Or is he going to say, take that out, right? So there's some things, too, that the Lord may deal with you. Hey, have that removed. Have them do a surgery to remove that, and he's going to work in that. But the, the main thing, though, that I'm trying to say is, first of all, you hear from God. You be led, but you have faith in God's report. You have faith in his report, what he said. You know, if they say, you know, um, you got three to six months to live. You, it's This is terminal. You can choose. OK, I'm going to have more faith in that or I'm going to have more faith in God's report. I'm going to magnify God's report. OK, you could You you may hear something that says. Hey, thank you for your application, but you're not what we're looking for. You don't have the the qualifications that we're looking for. You can choose to magnify that report. You can choose to believe, hey, I'm not going to have the money to pay my bills. Or you can choose to believe the report that says the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I shall not lack for any good thing. See, that's where the battle is where you have to make a decision of your mind and of your will and of your faith, I'm going to believe this above that. See, faith is a decision of our will. We have to say, no, I'm choosing to believe this. Even though you don't feel like it, even though the thoughts keep coming, that doesn't mean that you just give up and throw up your hands and say, I guess I just am not a good faith person. No, you're going to have to fight the faith fight. And the faith fight is to cast down these thoughts and these things that tell you that you're not who God said you are. He said you're healed. He said you're redeemed. He said you're prosperous. He said you're the head enough to tell when thoughts come, I don't care what they are when thoughts tell you that you're a failure, that you're not good enough, that you are, you know, you're 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 not going to get your purpose, you're not going to get to what he has for you. Don't just let that beat you up. You need to speak up. You need to say no, 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 no. The Lord said he has a good plan for my life, a plan to prosper me, a plan to give me a hope and a future, and I choose to believe that report. I choose to believe that. I choose to believe that. And you and you fight, you get the scriptures that are dealing with the situation you're dealing with, and you magnify that over what the enemy's trying to do. Okay? So which one will we magnify? Which one will we magnify? We have to answer that. And we are reading In numbers, most of those people, almost 2 million people out of them, only two people got in, they went into the promised land, but it wasn't until the next generation. See, it was God's plan all along to help them get into the promised land, to get them into the promised land. But they chose to believe the report that says it's the end. It's all over. It's nothing else can be done. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't true at all. The Lord from the beginning was wanting them to get into the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb were the only ones from that generation who went in. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? If this is a picture in the New Testament, in the, in the New Testament that's referenced a lot, what does that tell you? That tells you that there's going to be a fight and that most people are not going to receive That most people are not going to possess and you have to make up your mind no matter what and how difficult the fight is. I'm going to the Lord did not promise us that we're going to go through this life without any challenges and without any obstacles and without any, um, you know, difficulties. He didn't promise us that you wouldn't have you couldn't be an overcomer if you don't have anything to overcome. Right. You couldn't be a victor if you don't have anything to have a victory over right? And you, we can use that right there. The Bible says, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. He always gives me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If that's the only thing you know, when, you, when the saying you saying you're, you're going to fail at this, this is not going to work out. No, the Bible says, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good report. That's good, right? That's good. Um, but Joshua and Caleb they chose the 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 I'm sorry the first generation they chose what the enemy could possibly do over what the Lord said He was going to do. In Isaiah 53, it says, "Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The power of God is manifested to those who believe the report of the Lord. When we believe His report." and we act on his report the power of god is revealed when we believe the report and again don't let anyone's report be your final report but the lord's okay yeah. go to romans 4:17 in closing romans 4:17 say this i have more faith in the, report, in the Lord's report Than the enemy's report, the enemy's report. I, have I have more faith In his goodness Than, his goodness. than the enemy's oppression, oppression. We See we're not magnifying we, we have to Get a hold of ourselves Get a hold of our mind And not magnify the oppression Because that's where the battle is We've been talking about this That's where the battle is Is in the mind But you don't just fight a silent battle you have to speak up and sometimes you have to go somewhere, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's under your breath. If you're at work, obviously you can't just start screaming and yelling, i bind you, you know, and, and yelling. But if you have to go to Bethlehem, no devil, no, I will have the victory in this situation. I will overcome. You don't just let them keep beating you up though, okay? Uh, Romans chapter four. Now it matters what we listen to and what we look at. And what we magnify and you see this right here, Romans chapter four, verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Well, I should back up here. This is the Lord talking to Abraham and who remembers that the Lord promised Abraham that he was going to make him a father of many nations. Now he gave him this promise when he had no children and he was already old. When I talk about he's old, he was old. I believe he was uh, 75 when the Lord promised him that he was going to be a father of many nations. He's old. You don't see 75-year-old people having babies, right? Now, this is at the time where that was old, where Abraham was old, okay? This is not Adam old, Adam, you know, 900-something years old. No, this was, this was old, Okay. Um, and the Lord says in the Bible says, "As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and caused those things which be not as though they were. who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, So shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he didn't look at his body. See, he didn't choose to magnify his body or Sarah's body to determine if what God said was true or not. Yeah. Now, this is, he's living with this every day. Now, we're looking at this and say, oh yeah, you, we, we see the descendants now in Israel and Palestine. We see, or, or, well, the promised child, but... We, we see this come to pass. But think about Sarah and uh, Abraham and Sarah. They're old and they see this every day. They see their bodies. They know when they wake up, if they're like, "Ooh, oh, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a baby, you know, <laughs> and they're old and stuff. And she has to look past this every day. They have to look past the possible aches and pains. Now, I don't I don't know if they were dealing with that. They're, they're faith people. So they they but they're still aging that they're still aging. Though. You they, they weren't able to, you know, do the things they were able to do when they were 25 uh, to the same degree. I mean, you can still be healthy and run and jog and stuff, but you're not dunking at 80 or especially at 100 years old if you were able to do it in your 20s and 30s. I mean, Abraham wasn't he wasn't out there playing tackle football. I'm pretty sure. I I don't know. Maybe. But he's still vibrant and all those things. But he's seeing. Do you see my point that I'm making, though, is he's seeing his body. He has to see this every day. And he sees himself getting older and older every day from the time this promise happened. And now he's going to almost 100 years, 25 years is passing, and he still hasn't had a child. And Sarah is getting older. And, And she's getting older and older. He had to not look at that. They had to not look at that. They could not consider that. They could not consider that negative report. They had to look at the good report. They had to look at what God said and they had to magnify that even over what in the natural seemed like a fact. It was. It was true. They're old. They're beyond having a baby. They're beyond baby producing age. They're beyond that in the natural, but they couldn't look at that. That's why he's the father of faith because he just chose to believe what God said. Man, God is, it's amazing. You sometimes, you know, it, it would be easy if it would have just happened the next day. Right. Then they then w- there wouldn't be no father Abraham, though, if he just, hey, you're going to have a baby. Oh, and it happened the next day. Well, there's no standing. There's no believing. But this is when this is what separates those that have faith and those that uh, don't have faith. This is what separates those people that go into the promised land from those that don't go into the promised land for those that receive And those that don't receive, the people that say, no matter what, I'm going to believe this, no matter what it seems like. If I die, believing this, I'm going to believe this because this is what God said and he cannot lie. Think of that. 25 years have passed. Most people in two years, in one year, they're not believing it anymore. 25 years and they're still believing, hey, we're having a child. I choose to believe this. It said that He was not weak in faith. He didn't consider his own body now dead when he was 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's. He didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. See, this is where we have to get to, is where we are fully persuaded, and we are not considering anything else besides what God said. We are not. Now, when I say what God said, that's either through the spirit, the Holy Spirit telling you something personally to do or from his word. But once you hear from God, we are not considering what the enemy tells us. We say, no, I know that the Lord told me to do this and we're doing this and we're not quitting. I know that the Lord said this and I'm not quitting until I experience what the Lord told us that we could have. And that is not, that's the faith fight. That's not an easy fight, but it's the faith fight. Mm -hmm. But we are choosing to believe the, uh, we are choosing to believe God's goodness over the enemy's oppression. Mm -hmm. See, that's what it really comes down, that's what it really is about when you think about it. You are making a choice to believe God's goodness over the devil's oppression, over his ability to steal, kill, and destroy. And I never wanna give up and quit and say, man, I chose to believe the enemy's destruction, the enemy's stealing and killing and his oppression over God's goodness. At the end of, the, the end of my life, I don't want to look back and say, man, what if I would have chose to believe God's goodness? Well, we're not going to do that. We're going to believe in God's goodness. OK. And, and, and here's another thing with Abraham and Sarah and with us. It's not our job anyways to fix the problem. It's not our job to fix and cause the miracle. We can't. Could, Ab- could Abraham and Sarah do anything about this? Could they, I mean, obviously they had to do some natural physical relationships, right? I'm not talking about that, but could they cause this miracle child? No. Could they turn back the clock in their body so that they could have a baby? No, they couldn't do that. She's passed what what menopause or whatever it is she's past childbearing age there's nothing that they could have done to fix it and it's not our job to fix it either if if we have a something going on in our body that's specifically what i'm talking about and even if it's financial we do what the lord told us to do but we are not the ones that can produce a miracle that is god's job our job is to believe him our job is to believe god No matter what, whatever, whatever the situation is, our job is not to produce the miracle. Our job is just to believe God that he's going to do it because he said he's going to do it. Amen. He's going to do it. And we're choosing to have more faith in his goodness and not put any stock in the devil's oppression. Amen. Let's stand up and let's, um, let's just declare that, that we are going to put our faith in In his report, and not in the enemy's report. Amen. Let's say let's say this. We'll close our eyes for a second. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for your good news, Father. Thank you for your good report. Thank you, Lord. And we choose to believe your report. Let's say this if you may say, Father God, God. I I choose to magnify your word. To magnify your goodness goodness. over the enemy, over Over his uh, oppression, over Over anything he could pull off, off. I'm choosing, Father God, to believe your word, to believe your your good report, To report. To to believe that I'm the healed of the Lord, that I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. That I'm redeemed from the curse of lack. That That by your stripes, stripes, I'm healed. healed. I choose to believe believe that you will provide provide all my needs needs according according to your riches and glory. glory. By Christ Jesus, Jesus. I choose to believe believe that that you have a good future for me. A plan for my life. I choose to believe believe that your mercies are new every morning. I choose to believe believe that I will see see your goodness in the land of the living. living. That means in my life, life. I will see your goodness. I I magnify that. I magnify magnify your good news. I magnify Your 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 goodness over the enemy. No, you are not equals. You are, equals. You are the devil is no match for you, Lord. Devil no match for and you what, he what he can do is no match for you. No match for you. Thank, you Thank you, Father. You're bigger You're than any obstacle. Bigger than any You're, obstacle. Bigger than any You're bigger than any problem. You're bigger than any difficulty. You're bigger than any, bigger than any, challenge. Bigger than any challenge. And I magnify You're you. I magnify, I magnify you. you. I have, I, have I have more faith in your goodness. I have more faith in your goodness. More faith, more faith in, your, in blessing. your blessing. More faith in your provision. You more faith, more faith, in your faith in your healing power you more faith than anything in any faith. That, the that the enemy could try to do. Thank you, Father. Let's go ahead and worship a little. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.